Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of TheHorse.com. Tonight's topic is conditioning your horse for peak performance, and it's brought to you by Equine Performax, located at the Jekyll Center. So, everyone, I have to admit, I've barely ridden my own three horses in the past month between Christmas and work and the bad weather. I just haven't been able to find time to keep them in really great condition or had the right kind of footing for riding my horses uh, to keep them exercised. But I'm guessing I'm not alone. I'm really looking forward to spring, and I'm sure all of you are too. So tonight we're joined by two experts that will help us talk about getting our horses back into shape for spring and summer. Uh, We have Dr. Duncan Peters and Dr. Mark Wooten. Uh, welcome, doctors. Hi, good evening. Thank you. So whether uh, our listeners are getting ready for trail riding this summer or for the show ring, I'm sure you'll find something useful tonight. Uh, let's start with you, Dr. Peters. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience and, and what you're bringing to the conversation? Well, I, I hope I can help uh, some people out with uh, with some of their conditioning concerns and and what's involved. I'm presently at Michigan State University um, in the College of Veterinary Medicine and work in the equine lameness and sports medicine department and basically deal with uh, lameness and poor performance uh, all day long from the clinical aspect. Um, my background is uh, a lot of riding and uh, veterinary school at UC Davis and practicing both on the West Coast and uh, the East Coast, and uh, now in the Midwest also. So uh, a little bit of, uh, of seeing both sides of the country, different environments, how horses have to respond in different events, and uh, uh, my background's in hunter jumpers, in polo, and endurance riding, and uh, some riding ties. Uh, so uh, uh, quite a varied background, but I'm always... Uh, uh, quite enamored by the physical attributes of the horse and their ability to perform uh, in the ways that we ask them to. And Dr. Peters, you're down in California right now at the Thermal Horse Show. Everyone who's listening, uh, just so that you know, you might hear some horse show backgrounds uh, in noise, background noise as we're talking tonight. Uh, I'm up here in Oregon and Dr. Peters, we sure are jealous of everyone who's in California this time of year. Uh, it is pretty nice, and it's uh, definitely a, a lot nicer than the weather we've had in uh, in Michigan at this time. But we're fortunate to come out here and have some students rotate through also and, and gain some experience and dealing with performance horses and uh, the types of conditions that they may have in a, in a competitive setting. Okay. Dr. Wooten, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your experience working with horses and getting them fit and conditioned? Sure thing. Uh, currently, I'm the uh, director of rehab therapy and veterinary services at, uh, for Equine Performax at the Jekyll Center. It's located just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. I've been in Nashville for the past uh, 26 years uh, doing strictly equine practice. Uh, mainly, most of my focus has always been in uh, sports medicine and, and therapy. Uh, also certified in uh, chiropractic and acupuncture and those have been beneficial in uh, in in my uh, uh, therapy of, of, of performance horses um, for the past year I've been associated with the Jekyll Center uh, Teresa and Andre Jekyll's vision of 
developing a rehab center in the, in the southeast for all types of sport horses, and it's been a real uh, eye-opening experience and, and uh, a real pleasure to work in a facility that they've developed and built and uh, as, uh, is, is a tremendous uh, facility and, and finding out more and more what we can do with re- rehabilitative therapy and, 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 and conditioning horses to bring them back to uh, to uh, their level of exercise and, and maintaining that, their fitness and level of exercise. Uh, my personal experience is I uh, uh, I ride cutting horses and I also uh, breed and race standard bred race horses. So I'm somewhat eclectic in, <laughs> in, my, in my horse interest. That you know, that people kind of look at me like you do what? But um, I've kind of got a diverse interest there, and and and, and both of them are are very important to me. I enjoy them very much. Well, Dr. Wooten, I'm a dressage rider who chases cows occasionally out here in Oregon, so I understand. (laughs) Uh, Our our event tonight is an hour long. Everyone who is listening live, we're going to stay, do our best to stay within that time frame. If you have questions that you would like to send us live for the doctors to answer, you can go ahead and do that in your console that's in front of you. Just type that in and send it. Our news editor, Erica, is receiving those and sending those on to me. Uh, Feel free to also follow up with any of the questions that that we go through tonight if you want more information. Uh, So since we have just about 55 minutes left, we'll go ahead and get started. Let's start with you, Dr. Dr. Wooden. Our first question came from Justine in Salem, Oregon, and she wants to know, how do you know when your horse is at his peak condition? Uh, that's an interesting question and a very broad question that we can we could spend an awful lot of time on on, on evaluating. I think uh, most of us typically think about uh, conditioning from a cardiovascular standpoint and evaluating horses that way. I think that's that's very important and and one, you know you can get into uh, doing heart rate monitors and that sort of thing, evaluating the level of fitness. Uh, and that would be quite a long conversation, but so much of it really depends on the peak, is your horse in peak condition, uh, has to do with their particular occupation. I mean, what level of work are they being asked to do and what, what kind of condition is necessary to reach that level of work? Uh, the other thing I think is important to consider are the goals of each client or each owner. Um, you know, are we, are we expecting our horses to... Uh, just be something, a kind of a weekend warrior that we uh, are, are asking them to do a very low level of competition, or are we going to really ask them to step it up and be at the higher levels of, of the competition that they're going to be uh, embarking? Uh, another thing is to consider the individual's ability themselves. I mean, sir, I always wanted to play in the NBA, but that hasn't happened. And it's kind of the same way with individual horses. Uh, you know, some of them just aren't quite capable of, of meeting the goals maybe that the uh, the owner wants. So those are those are all important criteria that you have to consider. Uh, and w- like I said, we often just kind of relate to cardiovascular conditioning, but there are other conditioning that we have to think about also. Uh, our musculoskeletal conditioning uh, is this horse is this horse sound at the level of work that he's being asked to do? Is his uh, uh, you know is he comfortable and pain free in doing that level of work? So that's got to be evaluated. I think another uh, thing that often is uh, maybe overlooked with, with conditioning is, is his dexter- dexterity and, and neurological function. Is this horse uh, 
have the uh, capabilities of doing that kind of work from from that standpoint? Does he have the uh, coordination and dexterity? So it, there's a lot that comes under that that particular question, and uh, it, it could be taken in a lot of different directions. I, I hope I, you know, that shed some light uh, for uh, uh, Justine's question. Uh, Duncan, do you have more to add to that? I'm sure. Um, I would say, Mark, I would concur wholeheartedly. One of the hallmarks is that uh, they have to be fit for their particular discipline, uh, discipline or task. I think that's probably the most important thing that uh, that we have to recognize and and uh, have expectations for. Uh, certainly, um, they have to be bone condition, they have to be tendon and muscle condition, and they have to be cardiovascular and respiratory condition. But it really depends on what task they're being asked to do. Uh, conditioning for an endurance horse is going to be tremendously different than what you have for a Western uh, pleasure horse. So uh, I think you've, you've touched on it very well in terms of relating that there's an awful lot that goes into that question, and it really focuses on uh, unfortunately, a particular horse, and probably something you have to have a good conversation an individual owner if they if they have concerns with their veterinarian and uh, with um, you know people that are are expert have expertise in that particular discipline. So, doctors, I have. Uh, warm bloods and then I have a quarter horse and I find it seems like with my quarter horse if I'm start riding him consistently and I mostly trail ride him or kind of lope him around the arena he feels like he gets fit very quickly and he gets very muscled and looks very handsome you know I'm proud to take him out in public because he looks so nice even just after a week or two of riding my upper level dressage horse, if he gets laid off for any amount of time, he's a Hanoverian, and he seems to take forever to get back in shape. And his program that I have with him is much more structured than my quarter horse. So is it breed that's playing a part in the differences between these two horses, and Dr. Wooten? Yeah, I would attribute that an awful lot to breed, to breed and the, and the general... Uh, uh, confirmation and development of the individual. I think you have to take an individual into account that also. I mean, you, you, you see that with your horse in the shell, but, you know, as far as a quarter horse in relationship to a dressage horse, but it might be something different for someone else. So, uh, but, but definitely breed, I think, has a, has a big input into that. Um, our next question is for Dr. Peters, and it's uh, from Mallory in Nebraska. And Mallory wants to know, what is the best exercise to do to start out with when you're conditioning horses that have been turned out all winter? Um, that's a, a great question, and uh, a lot of people in uh, many parts of the country are faced with that. Uh, but I think really the best exercise is to just start out with uh, controlled riding and um, to uh, keep in mind that uh, they have had some time off uh, during that time. It's very interesting. There have been some studies recently that actually indicate that horses that have the ability to be turned out and uh, spend some time out will maintain their conditioning, as will, uh, in a compared uh, situation, as to horses that are actually in a controlled exercise program. Uh, and um, so 
really, horses, if they have the ability to be turned out and moving around and will cover some ground, um, it's amazing how well they will actually maintain a level of fitness. They may not have tremendous cardiovascular fitness, but in terms of um, them being able to um, uh, to go start into a regular riding program, uh, they are in great shape. And um, a study I'm referring to, horses were given three groups of horses were given uh, thirteen uh, over a thirteen. Uh, week period, uh, and they were all exercising at the start of the the program, and were placed on a treadmill and given a standard exercise test. And uh, then they were split into three groups. One went into stalls that had a run out of twelve by twenty four. Another was in a maintained the same training program, which was an hour of riding, uh, an hour to an hour and a half of riding, uh, five days a week. And the third group were turned out in a three acre pasture and just left to graze and, and be the be horses. And they put GPSs on these horses as well as uh, came back at the end of 13 weeks and did an, a standard exercise test. They also did bone density on these horses and actually found that the horses that were in training um, and the horses that were in pasture had the same conditioning level uh, on a standard exercise test. The horses out in pasture actually covered more ground and distance just by being out and moving around uh, than the horses that were in a forced exercise uh, training program. And they also found that the horses in turnout had a better bone density than the horses that were uh, in the forced exercise program. So horses have a tremendous ability to maintain conditioning, and they're they're quite a bit different uh, than what we see in human athletes. Human athletes that take a week off uh, go downhill very quickly. Uh, uh, equine athletes that have uh, a period of time off uh, tend to maintain that conditioning pretty well. And there have actually been other studies that show even over a, a four- to six-week period, horses will only lose conditioning up to maybe about 10%. That doesn't mean they'll lose, they won't lose some muscle tone, but in terms of the a standard exercise test, they perform pretty darn well. So, my advice would be get out there and just start, you know, starting some uh, some riding and some uh, some uh, uh, regular exercise on their back. Okay, so so I shouldn't be quite as worried as I have been about my dressage horse and bringing him back into work after a month off then, or or feeling yeah. quite as guilty for not riding him in the last month. Well, a lot of relationship has he been standing in a stall, right, Duncan? Correct, correct. A lot different if that horse has been standing in a stall. Uh, that's a very excellent port, uh, point, Mark. Uh, yeah, if that horse is, has not had that opportunity to be turned out, uh, then that is a much different uh, situation, no doubt. Yes. Okay. Well, he's out running around uh, in, in the paddock with his buddies, so uh, hopefully. Um, Dr. Wooten, our next question is for you, and it's from Julie in Arizona. And Julie says she has a 15-year-old pink gelding that she's going to be legging up after he's been off since June um, 2014. He had a, a deep digital flexor tendon tear. She wants to know what your recommendations would be for exercises to help get him back into shape. Okay, I, I think I have you know a lot of times when I'm presenting with these kind of questions from a client, I, I've got questions of my own, and 
and particularly with this one, it kind of caught my eyes. So what kind of, uh, is this deep flexor tendon injury? Has it completely healed? And, uh, well, and, and I'm also curious as to where the injury was. I think that that had, that place, uh, you know, it can be a lot of different places in that deep flexor tendon, and that, that kind of plays some uh, important basis there. And, and how was it? How was it diagnosed? And and what the therapy has been since. Uh, all that being said, uh, one of the things that we have really found very beneficial for these kind of horses coming back from this type of injury at the Jekyll Center has been. Uh, getting these guys on in the underwater treadmill. That has been a, a great tool for bringing these horses back to work uh, and getting them fitness because uh, with, the, with the layoff, and I'm sure with this kind of injury, he was probably did have a lot of stall rest and stall time. So you lose general fitness with that, not just worried about that particular injury, but the rest of the horse's body and bringing it back. And something I think can be real beneficial is the underwater treadmill uh, has does a great job in, in strengthening uh, the, the, the entire body with giving some uh, rest, continued rest of that of that injury, previous injury they had. So uh, not everybody has fortunate enough to have access to the underwater treadmill. So therefore, we got to start uh, looking for other ways of exercise. Uh, and it's, it's so much you're going to be just uh, evaluating that individual horse of, of how he's going to handle handle that kind of, uh, any kind of exercise. I think a, a really good thing, what I'm recommending my clients with any horse that has been off for a while is uh, and uh, using the, uh, the book, uh, Activate Your Horse's Core uh, by uh, Stubbs and, and Clayton. And I'm sure... Uh, Duncan can uh, talk about that a lot, seeing how uh, Dr. Clayton was at, at Michigan State. Um, that has been a great benefit in, in bringing these horses back and a good exercise program to start them back. So um, uh, a lot of things that you got to think about with that, with that kind of history. And uh, like I say, a lot of times I have a lot of questions going back into that. Another thing that I think is really important with a horse with that kind of injury is, is farrier care. Um, so many of these horses, like I say, if it is down in the foot, uh, proper farrier uh, care throughout this period of time is really important for bringing these horses back. Um, you got anything else you'd add to that, Duncan? I think the mechanical load on those tissues is very important. And so, uh, uh, taking the, uh, allowing to take some of the forces, the maximum forces off of those is very important, and, and that starts there at the foot with the deep flexor tendon, no doubt. Um, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, the the type of ground that you work on may have a have an effect um, based on this uh, for the deep flexor tendon, and you certainly don't want that horse having to uh, have a lot of, uh, of uh, put pressure on that deep flexor with trying to give that foot and that propulsion forward. So uh, I would try to, you know, allow that horse to maybe start out on something a little firmer where uh, it's a little easier on him to break over and, uh, and move through the surface. So I have a question for you, Dr. Peters, on this kind of injury and bringing a horse back as the rider. If we as the rider are feeling something isn't right at that point, is it too late? Have we re-injured or has the horse 
been re-injured or can we listen to the horse's body and adjust our training to what we're feeling? I think that's very important. Uh, it, the, the Bringing any horse back is really the art of rehabilitation. Many people look for a cookbook approach, and as, as Mark can attest to, there isn't one. Uh, everyone, every horse is different. Every injury is different. Uh, we talk about deep flexor tendon injuries, but everyone is an individual injury, and I think people have to realize that. Uh, you know, I, I do not believe that uh, we can give the three minutes and 37 seconds of walking and then uh, four minutes and 27 seconds of trotting, you know, in uh, circles that are only, you know, uh, 10 meters uh, is going to be that beneficial. I think as a rider, you really need to uh, be aware of, of your horse. It's just like any any person, some days you're better than others. And certainly with rehab, you have to work through some, some pain and some discomfort. And that's the other thing that people uh, will tend to lose track of a little bit is sometimes these horses come out and they don't feel quite 100%, but um, that doesn't mean that you're on the right road. So it can be very difficult uh, to manage that. But I think the, the riders feel and the riders uh, connection with the horse has to play a major part, and and I try to uh, emphasize that with people, and try to get get away from a cookbook approach, uh, and talk more in terms of what type of exercises are we going to try to do over maybe a, a two week block uh, once they start riding, and then the next two week block or the the next two week block, and it really depends on making benchmarking and and making assessments all along the way as to how that horse is doing. So uh, the rider becomes, uh, and the owner becomes paramount in helping to make good decisions along the way and providing a good feedback as to how that horse is doing. We have a couple live questions that have come in. I'm going to give this first one to Dr. Wooten. Uh, Lynn is in Kentucky, and she says she doesn't have access to an indoor arena, so she's stuck outside riding during the winter. She says most of the time it's manageable, but the ground does freeze from time to time. Are there any exercises she can do with her three-day venter on the ground or when the ground gets hard that might help maintain some of his fitness without causing injury? Um, as far as, um, exercises for maintaining what, I guess is the question I have. I mean, are we talking about cardiovascular fitness? That'd be a little bit more difficult in, in a ground surface like that. Probably, probably don't want to put that horse through anything too, uh, cardiovascular stressing on that type of ground, but certainly anything that will help maintain uh musculoskeletal fitness and, and, and bone fitness uh could be could be done uh in, in a surface like that. Uh walking, uh a lot of ground poles, that sort of thing, maybe walking cavalettis, uh, uh that could that could be something that could be very beneficial in maintaining um uh some degree of, of, of fitness uh in, in a situation where you, you don't have the kind of ground that you want to do anything very hard work on. I, I, I kind of refer back again to the uh, activate your horse's core. I think those exercises that can be done uh, very simply 
without uh, even being on the horse's back can be very beneficial. And especially if they're if they're maintained and they're done and they're done on a consistent basis, I think those uh, those procedures can be can be quite beneficial for horses. So, yeah, as far as maintaining cardiovascular fitness, I think it is a lot more difficult in a situation like that. But uh, uh, doing doing some of the other type of exercises, then, then then that would be where my emphasis would be. We have a question from our live audience. Uh, Sandy is in New Mexico, and Dr. Peters, I'm going to give this one to you. She says she has a, a brand new off-the-track thoroughbred that has a single chip uh, in each front fetlock, but the joint is not involved. She says he's been off the track and turned out for almost a year, and he's been cleared for walk, trot, trail riding. She wants to know how she should start him back to work slowly so as not to irritate the fetlocks, and, but to also give him something to do. And I know sometimes with these horses, it's balancing the brain with the body. Uh, Dr. Peters, what recommendations do you have for Sandy? Yeah, I would, uh, I would uh, agree. That is difficult sometimes because they are, uh, can tend to be high energy horses, but uh, I would start out with mostly walking exercise and try to get maybe a little bit of uh, uh, training into the horse at the walk. Um, you know, I think it's a good opportunity to start uh, some of those things um, uh, while you're conditioning and sort of put the two of them together uh, in that regard and not focus solely on the conditioning or, or solely on the training, but try to incorporate the two of them together. I think you can do a lot of walking exercises with that. It's going to be a matter of uh, conditioning both the um, both the bone and uh, the uh, tendons, ligaments, and muscles uh, to get all that done. Um, but starting out with uh, walking exercises, uh, it's, again, on poles, cavalettis, uh, some conditioning things. One of the things that uh, I've tried on some of these horses is actually do some light weight training with some of the ankle bracelets that are, people use uh, and putting some of those on horses uh, and uh, using those to, at periods of time uh, to be able to do that. The other thing we've used are some elastic bands, which uh, uh, are, again, something that's been developed, uh, uh, sort of the core technique of developing the core. Um, the book that um, uh, Dr. Wooten referred to numerous times, uh, and then there's um, you know some elastic bands uh, exercises that help to uh, build up the core also, and those can be done at the at the walk and and the easy trot exercises, and those things can help to uh, start to get that horse on the on the right track. And I, I think it's a I would say again that you're probably looking something like that for every week that horse has had off, it's or or every month he's had off, it's going to be about a week of getting him back to. Uh, go into a steady exercise program. So if he's had a year off, I'd be thinking 12 weeks minimum. And uh, probably with thoroughbred, I, I may even extend that out to about 14 weeks uh, to where he's up to some uh, good regular exercise of, uh, of a walk, trot, canter, uh, 40 to 40 minutes to an hour a day. So uh, again, that would be monitored and sort of benchmarked as you went. Um, but um, I hope that sort of looks at the program and a, and a time frame. But I would I would not be 
afraid to be flexible with that. If the horse just seems to accept a lot of these things and, and go on with both the training and the conditioning, um, then move steadily forward. If the horse mentally all of a sudden uh, can't handle things, then uh, that's going to put more stress on the body. So you may have to back off and be slower with some of those, uh, uh, some of just the mental training things. Um, if the horse uh, is going well, uh, then maybe you can move uh, along a little faster and a, and a little more uh, uh, with the conditioning program. So I think those things are really going to uh, uh, come down to the behavior of the horse and then some monitoring, certainly, of those front ankles. If they have been a problem in the past, then I think that if they start to flare up again, um, you know, or you're going to need to address that because uh, that may even need uh, something like surgery to remove those uh, if it's going to be a problem uh, as they flare up again. Uh, that may be the best solution in the long run. So um, I, I've also seen horses that uh, can perform very well with those chips and, and they're never a problem. So, again, it might depend on the discipline uh, that she expects that horse to go into. If he's going to be a, an event horse, those chips may be more of a problem. If he's going to be more of a pleasure horse and a, and a, uh, uh, a show horse, uh, I've seen many horses that do very well with those. Okay. Our next question is for Dr. Wooten, and it came from Alex in Georgia. And Alex wants to know, what are some of the best exercises to help build up your horse's hind end when you're conditioning them, especially if you don't have the ability to do hills? Uh, Dr. Wooten, what recommendations do you have for Alex? Well, uh, I think uh, I'd be amiss if I didn't talk about uh, what can be done with the, uh, the underwater treadmill. I've been really impressed with what kind of uh, results we've gotten with, with uh, building a horse's hind end. Uh, uh, just uh, has amazed me the response that we've gotten from those horses. That being said, doesn't, like I said, everyone doesn't have one of those available to them. And I think the best thing I've seen for uh, uh, those horses uh, as far as building up their, 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 their muscles through their uh, top line is a lot of walking and trotting the ground poles and, and cavalettes. I think that that has been uh, extremely beneficial. And I, and, and I tell that to a lot of my clients who have horses or are Western horses and that sort of thing. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And this, this isn't something just for uh, the jumpers and hunters. This is something that all um, breeds of horses and all occupations, I think can really benefit from uh, building up uh, muscles, also improving their dexterity and that sort of thing. So uh, that is the, one of the things that I see is really a beneficial uh, for developing the uh, uh, hind end and top line of these horses. Uh, and, I, and I keep referring to it and I, because I've been so impressed by it is, is, you know, the clients that I have that are following it, uh, uh, activate your horse's core. Those are some simple exercises that, that can be done on a routine basis and, and have an excellent effect uh, on developing horses uh, uh, musculoskeletal system. Um, Dr. Peters, I, I have a follow-up question on this same subject for you. Is there any lateral work that could help build up the horse's hind end that, that you might recommend that that Alex use? Um, 
I think lateral work certainly uh, uh, done properly can can help that. I think you have to be careful with some of that if a horse is not uh, used to that. That um, uh, you can run into problems and and some sorenesses that uh, uh, occur in their axial skeleton, uh, probably more so than anywhere else. But uh, uh, I think they can be beneficial. I think they need to be controlled. Um, I, I like the Equiband system to help with building up some of the hind end. It sort of forces the horse, sort of a resistance training uh, to make them um, uh, round their back a little bit and uh, uh, step up underneath themselves and uh, especially work through their uh, lower lumbar region, that type of thing. Um, some of the core exercises, uh, again, uh, are helpful uh, in that. But Lateral work can be useful. I, I think it, uh, it can be, um, if it's used properly, I guess that's probably the bottom line. Um, our next question is for you, Dr. Peters. Lizzie in New York has a trail horse that's a rescue horse. She says the horse has a weak back and multiple performance issues and reoccurring lamenesses. She says she worries about forcing him to move under saddle when he, when he does move badly, but uh, is it is it only making his form bad and, or possibly making his whole body work worse? She says lately he started bucking, which she attributes to him being painful in the back, but her colleagues seem to think that the horse is just being difficult and challenging her. Um, the farrier just put egg bar shoes on the horses, and the current conditioning plan is to carry a crop to make the horse trot for 20 minutes um, when she rides him. What, what thoughts do you have for Lizzie with this horse? I think uh, Lizzie needs to take a couple of steps back and uh, backwards and really reassess that any expectations for this horse. Uh, I think this horse uh, has multiple concerns, uh, possibly behavioral as well as uh, uh, musculoskeletal problems. Um, she probably really needs to have someone truly evaluate it and see if this horse, if she really should even put her efforts into this horse. Uh, that's the sort of the bottom line on, on what I get from this uh, question, unfortunately. There are some horses that just uh, just are not meant to be asked to do what they're doing. And if he's started bucking or if, he, you know, if he's got a painful back or he's got multiple uh, recurring lamenesses, uh, there's a lot more going on there than may be worthwhile uh, dealing with uh, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, producing something that she can have fun with and also is fair to the horse. Um, you know, uh, we all want the horses to be healthy and happy and, and be able to do what they can do without pain. It, it you know, this question unfortunately makes me think that this horse uh, has multiple problems uh, that may not allow him to do that. And Dr. Peters, she mentions the 20 minutes of trotting. Is, is that a long time to ask a horse to trot? consistently for, or would that be a normal amount of time to ask a horse to trot for? I think horses should easily be able to do that. Yeah, they should. Uh, I think uh, one of our biggest problems with our horses uh, these days is that they're actually not fit for the tasks they're asked to do. Many people uh, go out and say, oh, I ride my horse 45 uh, minutes to an hour a day, and when you actually query them about them, uh, 
they may be sitting on the horse's back for that amount of time, uh, but they may not be working the horse or, or getting a good exercise out of that horse at that time. So, um, you know, they should easily, in my book, be able to do 20 minutes of work, no doubt. Uh, but if she has to carry a crop to make him do that, uh, I don't think that's uh, the right way to have it done. So when we ladies stand in the middle of the arena chatting on our horses, we shouldn't count that as, as work time for them. Uh, exactly right. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I will do the same thing uh, um, uh, and do that uh, when I'm riding sometimes. But uh, uh, it, it's fun to do that. But, uh, yeah, it's probably not helping the conditioning of the horse. Yeah, I think that's my horse's favorite time of our ride. So <laughs> our next question um, is for Dr. Wooten. It's coming in from our, our live audience, and it's from Dana in Montana. And Dana wants to know how you would recommend conditioning a horse for trail riding. Is there a specific regimen to follow to get a horse ready to, to go out on the trails? And she's in Montana. She might be riding in the mountains. She might be riding uh, on on the flat, so maybe we have some different different responses for those two different kinds of riding. Yeah, I think definitely that uh, you know <laughs> I would, I'm not familiar with the mountains of Montana. Uh, we the hills of Tennessee, and that that requires a, a level of fitness just there. But I, I'm sure uh, going through uh, what I assume are some really uh, steep inclines would require a lot more. Uh, level of fitness. Uh, you know, once again, it comes down to what that horse has been doing. Uh, if, if if he is, well, let me get this straight, Michelle. The question was getting this horse to the point of trail riding or, or maintaining it. Mm-hmm. She she's asking how you would condition the horse for trail riding. So so I would assume that she's not currently trail riding her horse, or her horse has had the winter off, like a, a lot of ours have um, in in colder climates. Um, so let's assume our yeah. horse has had, had the winter off and needs to get conditioned again. Okay. Yeah. Much different than from a young horse just starting off uh, and to reaching that point. Uh, so uh, once again, I assume in that environment that this horse is, is still able to go out and be turned out and to, uh, to exercise kind of the same thing that Duncan was discussing earlier. I, I just find that these, that horses that, that, or uh, have the ability to get out and move around uh, when you start bringing them back to exercise. At that level of exercise, uh, I don't think uh, uh, we're looking at such an issue. I think these horses are able to maintain fitness so much better if they if they have the uh, opportunity to exercise themselves that they can maintain a level of fitness that allows them to go back. And then, of course, uh, it's just like we, we said earlier, each individual has to be evaluated uh, on, on an individual basis. What, what kind of level of, of fitness does he have uh, starting off? Uh, maybe maybe uh, starting off with, with light trail rides that are, are easy for him and, and working up from there just to try and evaluate what he can handle. Don't, don't put him in a situation where he's going to be uh, going beyond his limits. So start off with something probably much less than what he uh, had had done prior to turning or stopping at the end of the, the riding season, uh, finding a, a simple ride for him, and then evaluate him how he 
how he handles that particular ride and how he recovers after the ride. Does he seem uh, uh, more exhausted than what you'd expect, or does he seem to be handling and recovered quite well from the from the level of work? So um, I, I think uh, that type of exercise, and I'm, I'm assuming not an endurance-type trail ride, but just a casual-type trail ride, these horses can probably come back uh, a lot quicker than what we might think. So if you are conditioning a horse for trail riding, should you be conditioning on the trail or would work in the arena at home be suitable for getting them ready for a big trail ride? Well, I think you can certainly you can do arena work if, if you know, if, it, if it's a situation where uh, maybe you don't have the time to go out on the trail and that sort of thing and, and leaving, leaving, uh, the, the, the barn or, or, or wherever you may be for a long period of time. Uh, and certainly th- that you can do the, just that same amount of work, that degree of work, uh, in the arena. And so, no, I don't think you necessarily have to go on a trail ride to get a horse fit for a trail ride. Now, if, if you're talking about extreme climbs and that sort of thing, uh, I think you need to get some of that work in prior to, uh, to uh, go and taking them on any type of uh, trail ride that would require them to do that sort of work. Uh, and once again, it would be initially starting off with a, a trail ride that would be probably on the lower scale of what he has been capable of doing in the past, just to see, just to evaluate his level of fitness and, and what he can handle and kind of work from there. Our next question is from our live audience. I'm going to give this to you, Dr. Peters. It's from Brittany, who's listening in Florida. And she says she's been told that event horses need a ton of starch to be able to condition properly and that you need to have them on a high-carb feed. She says when feeding a controlled, low-starch feed and grass, hay, or pasture for for forage, um, will feeding a low-carb or low-starch diet limit a horse's conditioning for for performance? Uh, no, it actually will not. Uh, as long as those calories are replaced with uh, fat calories, uh, many horses do very well uh, with that. And in, in fact, some of the high-starch uh, diets can precipitate some muscle problems and, and some muscle sorenesses that may persist um, during training and after training. One of the big problems we have in uh, is sort of the uh, muscle soreness that occurs 24 to 48 hours post-exercise, uh, just like in people. And so uh, some of those, some of that can be controlled very well uh, with a nutritional diet that's higher in fat uh, than it is, in fact, in some of the carbohydrates. So, um, you know, that has to be tempered a little bit, um, you know, uh, in terms of, making sure that the, the horses will eat uh, enough of a fat ration to be able to get the calories they need. But uh, the, the calories from fat is a lot more dense than what you get from carbohydrates. And in most cases, that's not a problem. Uh, good quality haze that provide uh, uh, a number of calories is really the, the mainstay of any, of any ration. And then the uh, additional supplements and uh, uh, caloric intake or caloric density supplied by uh, fat or carbohydrates has to be has to be monitored and tempered. But good quality haze and good quality forage uh, really has to be uh, the mainstay of that. But no, event horses do not have to be on 
on uh, tremendously high levels of carbohydrate. If you're bringing a horse from um, not being very active to start conditioning them for riding, how important is it to pay attention to their diet and adjust what they're being fed or the amounts that they're being fed as they become more fit? Uh, I think it's I think it's very important, and then just part of managing that athlete, uh, whatever it does. Uh, most of us uh, like to have our horses a little rounder than they really need to be uh, for uh, for most of the disciplines we're involved in. Um, but we like that look on them. Uh, but many horses are probably overweight, just like we have an obesity problem in people. Uh, we tend to have an obesity problem in, in our horses also. Uh, and there are plenty of supplements and there are plenty of feeds out there that encourage us to feed these horses more um, and in many cases probably more than they uh, actually need for the amount of work they're doing uh, and within each discipline that they're participating in. So I think we just have to watch it as a group uh, and be able to manage that and just pay attention to that and realize, I, I tell some of my, my clients, hey, here's an easy way to figure some of these things is to go ahead and take a pack and put it on your own body that's 10% more of your body weight and walk around with it for a day. And uh, I've had clients come back and say, man, that, you know, I was exhausted. Uh, or, you know, two days later, boy, my muscles hurt. Well, that same type of thing can be translated to your horse. If he's 10% over his body weight of what, uh, uh, for an athlete or whatever his discipline is, uh, it, can be, uh, it can put a lot more stress on, uh, on all those systems and uh, unfortunately promote uh, uh, injuries. So I think nutrition is very important in that management scheme. Our next question is for Dr. Wooten. And Dr. Wooten, we... we received a lot of questions about fitness for older horses. This question is from Linda in Ohio, and she wants to know what the best method would be to recondition an 18-year-old horse that has done very little work over the, the past year. She says the horse is completely sound and has had daily turnout, but is stiff and out of working condition. He uh, has lower level dressage in his background. So how can Linda bring her senior horse back to fitness? And what is an appropriate fitness level for a senior horse? Um, I think one of the first things that I'd really stress with that particular individual was to be have him evaluated uh, thoroughly uh, to see what underlying issues he might have. I might, he, might, he may be perfectly uh, sound, but uh, so many 18-year-old horses that have been in uh, any level of work at all have, have certain issues that I think uh, should be uh, evaluated and, and addressed uh, accordingly, uh, what, whatever it may be. Uh, especially when she starts describing his stiffness and that sort of thing. So it makes me think possibly there's some musculoskeletal problems there that, that might be uh, uh, giving him some problems. Um, you know, one of the things that I've found that, um, and, and this might not be available in her situation, but we have been really uh, very successful in bringing back uh, these uh, older uh, performance horses uh, through the rehab unit, uh, 
the uh, I, I, I go back to the underwater treadmill. That thing has been such a, a benefit to uh, to rehabbing some of these older horses. Uh, I, I've really uh, been uh, impressed with the results that we've gotten. My own personal experience is I have a uh, had an older cutting horse that I bought that had been off for a while and uh, I was wasn't making a lot of headway with this particular horse and that uh, keeping him sound enough and fit enough that he was able to go out and do his uh, do his job. And after bringing him to the uh, rehab center, getting him in a fit situation without doing a lot of pounding and that sort of thing on made all the difference in the world in that horse. He just he just responded tremendously. Uh, once again, I understand that's not available to everyone. Uh, you're certainly welcome to bring your horse to the Jekyll Center. We can we can uh, uh, do what we can to get him reconditioned and ready to go. But it, that that being said, uh, I go back to uh, uh, what we talked about so much earlier: uh, doing things to uh, strengthen your horse's core. A lot of just starting off with a lot of walking. You know, walking exercises is, is very beneficial for these horses just to get started. Uh, uh, walking ground paws, walking cavalettis, I, I really believe in that. I think uh, some of the things that uh, Duncan described, the weight training uh, with the, the bracelets, uh, the uh, elastic bands, that sort of thing, to help strengthen these horses and, 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 and develop the musculature without doing the type of heavy work. So it's a lot of reconditioning uh, bone and tendon and ligament uh, and joints, and then start working on uh, uh, into the cardiovascular aspect of the fitness of this horse. Uh, Michelle, am I right? She, the, her goal for this horse was to, as a low-level dressage horse, is that correct? That, that's what the horse had done previously. So. Well, right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, once again, it just kind of depends on what the, the, the owner's goals are for this horse and uh, uh, what he is capable of doing as an individual. Like I say, there might be uh, some underlying issues there that need to be uh, evaluated that could be uh, restricting uh, him from coming back to certain levels of work, and I think it's really important that those be evaluated uh, prior to uh, asking him to uh, do too too much as far as and in, in beyond just the simplest walk walking exercise and that sort of thing. And Dr. Wooten, we like I mentioned, we did receive a lot of questions about um, reconditioning these older horses, and a lot of them had to do with the horses being arthritic or stiff. Is it good for old horses to be worked when when they're stiff, or should owners not do that? Well, that's well. It needs to be evaluated to, to what level uh, you know of, of problems that we have. I mean, if we have a horse that has a severely arthritic joint and that sort of thing, it, that that that's one thing, you know. But if if the horse just you know uh, had some soreness and not and, and without being you know, I, I like to equate it. There's there's sore and there's injured. Uh, I don't think the injured horse should be asked to uh, press on beyond, you know, what's going to create pain for him. Whereas the, the sore horse, like Duncan uh, talked about earlier, sometimes there's some, some soreness that, that, like you and I, we just kind of have to work our way through. So I, I, I really stress when it comes to an older horse and returning to exercise or starting a, a program of exercise is getting that horse evaluated 
to determine, okay, what kind of underlying issues he might have that would uh, preclude him from being able to do that level of the level of exercise that is in the uh, the, the goal of the uh, of the owner. Our next question comes from our live audience, and, and Dr. Peters, I'm going to send this one over to you. It's another senior horse question. Uh, Taylor in North Carolina has a 28-year-old quarter horse gelding who has Cushing's. Uh, Taylor says that the horse has had a really hard time getting into good condition. Is there anything that she can do to get him fit into his peak condition at this age with this condition? Yeah, that's a very difficult situation. Uh, uh, dealt with some of those older horses and uh, and uh, some with metabolic problems. And along with that comes some inherent uh, weaknesses that develop with the musculoskeletal system. Uh, the uh, pergolide or the treatment for Cushing has uh, been helpful to extend the life of these horses and increase their activity level. And I think uh, that has helped some of these horses in terms of getting them back and, and uh, being a little better in terms of uh, being able to carry themselves and, and develop them uh, that fitness. Uh, I've also, uh, my experience with Pergolide is that uh, I've had some of those horses that actually uh, have had the cushionoid condition and they develop a weakness of their collagen uh, within their body, and that's why some of them will develop that sort of sway back look to them as well as uh, dropping down in their fetlocks. But because they start to feel better on the pergolide, they will actually over-condition and actually develop some uh, soreness and some damage to things like their suspensory ligaments. And actually, I've had a few horses that... Uh, have uh, had enough weakness and, and uh, too much activity to where they've developed some very serious uh, suspensory ligament desmitis or inflammation um, that, that makes the condition worse. But that being said, I think, um, as we've talked about before, paying close attention uh, to them and uh, trying to get some uh, exercise uh, consistent exercise into them will slowly maybe help to develop some of that muscle tone and uh, have them carry themselves better um, overall. I think nutritionally, uh, trying to not allow them to, uh, to get too much overweight. Some cushionoid horses tend to put on more weight because of the uh, steroid condition, uh, the endogenous steroids uh, that are there whereas others will actually drop off in weight and they'll, they'll lose some of that muscle mass. So it's very difficult to regulate that. But I think in terms of exercises, uh, hand walking, um, a little bit up and down hills would be nice if you have those available, uh, walking over things where they have to uh, reach up and, and increase their range of motion, like rails on the ground or things like that. Uh, 28 uh, is a good age, uh, that's for sure, and he's had a long life, and, and just trying to um, get him out and uh, keep him moving consistently uh, can be helpful. If you have a companion that's a little younger and not going to push him around too much, sometimes that's helpful uh, if they can share pastures or, or, or paddock time. 
um, that'll help that uh, older horse uh, rather than just standing out there and then not moving around. So I think there are things that you can do to help maintain that muscle mass, uh, but it is a very difficult uh, condition to deal with. Our next questions come from our live audience, and Dr. Wooten, I'm going to send these over to you. Um, Amy in Illinois and Gracie in Florida both have questions about conditioning a horse that's had soreness in its stifles. Um, Amy's horse uh, has had trouble walking up hills and stepping over logs. She wants to know if it's good to continue doing that and how often. And then Gracie says that the horse had some soreness, doesn't seem to be sore anymore, um, but she's not quite sure about how to recondition her horse after after the stifles were bothering her. Uh, what suggestions do you have for, for those horses? Well, once again, I, I, would, I would say that uh, horses with, with, that have soreness particularly in stifles because it is such a complex joint with a lot of possibilities for, for injury there uh, should be uh, evaluated uh, by their veterinarian uh, completely from uh, radiographs, ultrasound, that sort of thing, that really evaluate is there any real underlying pathology in that joint. Uh, some, a lot of horses uh, are going are, are, are gonna to lose the... Uh, uh, just from time off, they're going to lose some of the uh, uh, muscle fitness around that joint, and will predispose it to uh, to soreness and that sort of thing. So, therefore, if if, if the joint is healthy and, and 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 we don't see any kind of pathology in there, and, and that can be very difficult sometimes, also, uh, some things are, are are just difficult to see, uh, even even with the X ray and ultrasound exam. Uh, but if we don't see any pathology there, then I think a lot of it. Is, is building uh, muscle, particularly in those quadricep muscles. Um, uh, th- those are those are often weakened uh, in horses that spend that have a lot of time off and and, and have to be strengthened uh, so that uh, the uh, the joint functions properly and uh, they're able to the, the the stay apparatus is is, is functioning properly and uh, that, a lot of these horses uh, uh, they lose uh, muscle tone. In those quadriceps muscles, and it predisposes them to intermittent locking patellas, and that can, if that goes on very long, that can certainly create some, some soreness uh, in and of itself. And so, a lot of times, it's it, uh, reconditioning those muscles, bringing them back uh, into shape, and getting them so that they they function properly, and, and allow that stay apparatus to function properly, so that it's not creating uh, inflammation uh, in that joint. Uh, and, and once again. Uh, Work uh, ground poles, uh, walking uh, cavalettis. Uh, a lot of times, we if you do have heels, uh, that heel work is, is often very beneficial for developing the quadricep muscle uh, and strengthening those uh, to help with with stifle uh, soreness. Also, I, I continue to refer back to uh, uh, the activation courses core book. There's some good exercises in that that will, are very beneficial of that problem. So, uh, you know, returning from, from that kind of work and, and, and to, to work with the cycle soreness issues uh, is certainly possible, but uh, the first place I would start would be evaluating well, what's going on with those cycles and why they are sore. Okay. 
We have time, I think, for one more question. Dr. Peters, I'm going to send this one over to you. Uh, Michelle in North Carolina wants to know if conditioning a horse with a history of ulcers should be done any differently than conditioning a horse that hasn't had this problem. Do you have any recommendations or considerations for, for horses that have had gastric ulcers? I think a lot of those are certainly stress-induced, and, and uh, so a good evaluation of uh, those stresses that are, are helping to cause the problem there. Uh, but really, no, um, in terms of conditioning that horse, you certainly could, could use some medication that could be adjunctive to try to minimize that with GastroGuard or UlcerGuard, some of those, uh, to uh, try to minimize that as a horse comes back into condition. Uh, or into a conditioning program, um, but uh, there are no specific exercises that I'm aware of that uh, that are less stressful on the horse uh, that would uh, prevent or minimize the possibility of gastric ulcers developing. Okay. Mark, any thoughts? No, no I'm, I'm not sure of anything else, anything either, uh, Duncan. Um, like I say, with therapy, uh, if, if you're able to maintain and control them, I don't know that I necessarily think that you couldn't go ahead and, and do whatever exercise they were asking him to do. Certainly, we have a lot of horses that uh, have histories of, of ulcers that uh, once they're uh, treated and, and, and alleviated, then those horses can go on and, and do quite well. Well, yep. we, are, we are unfortunately out of time this evening, uh, but I want to ask each of you before we go uh, to share with us the, the one thing you would like our audience to take away from the conversation tonight. And I'm going to start uh, with you, Dr. Peters. What would you like people to have learned tonight? I think that probably the best thing is try to make sure whenever you're going into a discipline or, or within a discipline, make sure your horse is probably the fittest for the task you're asking it to do and that, and um, to manage that over a period of time. If you're in a situation where your horse has time off during the colder weather of the, of the year, uh, then just be cognizant of that and don't expect him to go out and uh, go to his first horse show and, and be a star. Make sure that you have ample time to ramp up to, to uh, get his condition level where it should be. Um, and then the second most important thing is to make sure horses are not overweight uh, in terms of, again, what they're asked to do uh, so you don't put additional stresses on them um, uh, that uh, shouldn't be there uh, or make it more difficult for that horse to perform the task you'd like them to do. Uh, I would think those are probably the two most important things. Uh, if the, and maybe another third ancillary thing would be if your horse is in fact injured, uh, be patient and take the time uh, to really uh, have that horse get back to to full strength. Those tissues allow those tissues to get back to full strength uh, before you ask that horse to to return to the same discipline again. And that has to be done with a team of people and a, a team of experts, and your, hopefully your veterinarian can help you with that, uh, or you can elicit uh, other people that have, have gone through the, a similar type of injury to uh, have realistic expectations for coming back. Okay. And Dr. Wooten, what are, what are your closing thoughts for tonight? Well, I, I think... 
Duncan covered it quite well. Uh, I don't know if I have a lot to add beyond that. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that kept coming out in, in, in our discussion tonight was uh, the, the individual. You know, uh, each horse has to be looked at on an individual basis and, and evaluated as an individual. And I think uh, Duncan made a great point earlier of, of we can't cookbook uh, how we bring these horses back to uh, to fitness or, or to reaching their peak conditioning. Each horse has to be evaluated on an individual basis, and that's where it comes into the, the art of uh, of, uh, of, of uh, training, the art of nutrition, the uh, uh, and, and just the observation of each individual horse. Uh, they're all they're all individuals, just like people are, and they have to have specific care to their particular problem. And uh, uh, like I say, I just can't overstress uh, evaluating each horse as an individual. And 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 the other thing I think is very important is is that we have our goals in line with, with you know, what this, what each individual horse is capable of, of, of obtaining. Okay. Well, I want to thank everyone who listened live tonight and everyone who sent in questions. I want to also thank our experts, Dr. Duncan Peters and Dr. Mark Wooten, for their great answers tonight. And also to our sponsor, the Jekyll Center, for bringing tonight's event to everyone uh, free of charge. We hope that you can join us next month for Ask the Horse Live. Until then, we're all wishing you a good night and good riding.